Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 84. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week I want to talk about adapting to the changing winds of school leadership. If you'd like to check out other free posts like this one, you can do so at my website at williamdparker.com. I can send you a free ebook called Eight Hats Essential Rules for School Leaders when you subscribe there for weekly updates. Or you can check out my books, Principal Matters or Messaging Matters, at my website or at Amazon.com. Recently, I've been reading an excellent book by Tim Elmore and Andrew McPeak called Marching Off the Map, and it has sparked a lot of thought. The first half of the book is what educators know very intimately that the cultural changing trends in technology, relationships, politics, and information affect the way that, st- that, that students learn and the way that they think and grow and behave. Did you know, for instance, that the average attention span of today's youth is six seconds? And so it's a challenging mission for those of us trying to reach children when they're so pressed by distracting images, not to mention the social, emotional, or intellectual challenges that students bring with them every single day to school. In the second half of Elmore and McPeak's book, they explored the question, how do we adjust and adapt so that we can remain timely and timeless in our work with students? And I love this analogy that Tim Elmore uses about changing winds. Uh, In chapter five, he's talking about the story of his niece who sails, and she's been sailing all of her life, And as he's had the opportunity to go out with her at sea, he's never once heard her complain about the wind or weather. She simply adjusts and adapts to meet the changes in order to sail successfully. Now, I'm not a sailor, but when I was in high school and in college, I spent my summers diving for mussel shells in the Kentucky Lake area near our home in West Tennessee. And diving was a job that required a lot of dependence on the weather. When I would dive, for instance, I would attach my line to the boat because I didn't float and swim like a tank diver. Instead, my air tank was in the boat and I would be attached to it by an air hose and a rope while crawling along the bottom of the lake searching for shells. That meant that if the winds were low, my task would also include pulling the boat along with me. But if the winds were high, the boat would often pull me along instead. The wind often dictated the terrain or the depth or the direction that I would choose for work that day. And Elmore says that when people face resistance or change, they often respond in one of three ways. One, complaining about the state of their present reality. Two, giving up and leaving the journey altogether. Or three, adapting. Now, adapting doesn't necessarily mean compromising what we believe is essential or true. Instead, I believe it means we stay open to learning open to growing, and open to innovation. Sometimes our schools can be like boats in an ocean or lake, or the teams that we're leading can cause challenges that we haven't anticipated before. We are responsible as leaders to navigate the channels, but we have no control sometimes over the weather or the unexpected obstacles that we face. And I'm becoming more and more convinced that adaptability is a common strength in all examples of great 
learning or teaching or leading that I see in others. And especially as I visit schools across my state and as I travel throughout the country, I realize that adaptable school leaders seem to have this interesting combination of innovation, organizational leadership, and entrepreneurship, just to this, this combination of adaptability. Let me give you a couple of examples from close to home. The first is a school that I visited just a couple of weeks ago, Guthrie High School is just north of Oklahoma City. Principal Chris Legrand and Assistant Principal Dusty Throckmorton gave me a tour there. They have approximately 1,000 students, and Guthrie's a combination of both a bedroom community for Oklahoma City as well as a community with many working-class families. The buildings there, um, although they're incredibly welcoming, they're older, and even though they have very, very many traditional programs within their schools, they have adapted lots of very interesting learning options that are far from traditional. So even though they have their core subjects and their electives and, and advanced placement offerings, they also have what I consider to be innovative offerings. For instance, Guthrie offers college courses right on campus where adjunct professors travel to the high school and teach. They have one professor, for instance, who's teaching biology, and the students there can either receive a high school biology credit, or they can use that credit for concurrent college credit at the local community college. Another offering that they have for students is college consortium classes, where they have students in a room who are watching a professor who's teaching from an off-site campus, and then there may be two or three off-site campus groups all watching the lesson at the same time. So the professors are seen via computer cameras, but everyone can participate in the class discussions via video chats. They also blend their days for some Guthrie students who may have traditional classes part of the day, or they may go off campus for career training courses, or they have some students who opt for full-time lab settings because they want all their courses delivered via online options. And at the same time, Guthrie students have all the traditional um, electives and activities that you would expect from a, from a high school. In fact, the day I was there, I was walking through Guthrie's practice gym, and student leaders had organized a blood drive with the local Red Cross. And it was a very warm day, and this practice gym was without air conditioning. But I watched the students and teachers and volunteers who were there smiling and being helpful, and as I walked the building with these principals, I noticed that they would stop and talk to students. They would give them encouraging high fives. They were, they were showing me examples of students' work and or artwork that was done to display in the halls. And when I spoke to Principal Chris Legrand about how he created a culture like this that was both traditional but also innovative and welcoming, he explained that over the years they have consistently found ways to change and adapt or modify offerings to meet the needs of students that are both traditional and non-traditional. They, they have adapted over the years to create a setting where students' needs are being met. Let me give you another example. Um, Guthrie High School is not alone as a school that embraces innovation. Another example comes from John Marshall High School in Oklahoma City. Um, it's a Title I school with a very urban population. And when I visited John Marshall, I admired that this uh, school had new buildings uh, that had opened about 10 years ago um, that had replaced the original school location. But like Guthrie, um, John Marshall has had its struggles too. But it's a place that also feels safe and welcoming. And Principal Ospicia Carlson explained that her school, when she first came, um, offered one advanced placement course. They now offer 13. 
She explained that every senior is assigned a local business person whom they job shadow once a month throughout their final year of high school so that they get a sense of what work is like in their community so that their diploma has meaning. She's developed another amazing program where they where their school has partnered with Tinker Federal Credit Union, which houses a local bank branch in the school that's run by student employees. And I saw the this area that's used for the bank. It's impressive to see how a school can transform a space into a business setting. And John Marshall um, also has student volunteers who learn to file taxes so that community members can come to the school in the spring. And they hold evening sessions where students file taxes for their neighbors or their family members for free. Now, why am I sharing all these ideas about innovation? Well, I'm sharing them because I believe that often when principals face the winds of changes, they have choices to make. And principals like Chris Legrand or Aspasia Carlson or Dusty Thorker-Martin or you are people who are facing those challenges with a choice. How can I innovate and how can I adapt to become even more effective in my work? Last week, I was had the privilege of attending the National Association of Secondary Principals Principals of the Year Award Ceremony in Washington, D.C., and I had a chance to see Principal Aspasia Carlson um, awarded the Oklahoma Principal of the Year. We also visited elected officials and policymakers, and as she shared about her school's innovative ideas, they were so impressed and often even surprised that those options and opportunities were available through public schools. Here's what I would like you to think about this week. Strong school cultures do not happen overnight. They are the result of years of people investing in people, and they're the result of constant adaptation to the needs of students who live in a changing world of opportunities that really do demand us to march off the maps. So let me wrap this conversation up. You know, one day when I was still in college and I was diving for shells as my college summer work, I was under the water when I felt a strong pull on my line attached to the boat. So I came to the surface, and I realized that the waves were high because a storm was approaching and the winds had picked up so quickly. The clouds were overhead. They were covering the sun, and I had a choice to make. Um, I did not curse at the wind. I did not shake my fist toward the sky. I did not crawl in my boat and lay in the bottom and wait with fear for the storm to pass. Instead, I pulled all my gear in, and I loaded up and I headed for land so I could anchor the boat and I could wait out the storm. And every day, school leaders walk into their settings and they're going to face one kind of storm or another. It could be an education crisis. It could be a student conflict. It could be a teacher conflict. It could be a parent concern. It could be something that you've never faced before. It could be policies or expectations from the federal or state levels. This past week, for instance, our own state legislature was meeting to decide how to remedy another budget shortfall that may affect school funding. And at the national level, I sometimes hear policymakers focusing on examples of where public schools are failing, so how can we come up with better options? And when I see my colleagues, when I see school leaders who are facing serious challenges, I just want to sometimes remind them, and just like I want to remind you today, that we always have a choice to make. And if I could rephrase Tim's three choices, I would say them this way. Number one, you can either choose to complain about the obstacles. 
Number two, you can throw up your hands and give up finding solutions. Or number three, you can keep adapting. So can I encourage you this week to take inspiration from principals who are making the courageous choices? Because examples of innovative, adaptive, and effective schools are all around us every single day. And I bet you're leading one right now. So even in the midst of the challenges or the changing winds or the obstacles that you face, choose to keep adapting. Because when you do, I believe that you'll be an inspiration for your students, for your teachers, and for your, for your communities about what's possible for students in this fast-paced, unpredictable, but ever-promising world. So now it's your turn. What is a challenge or obstacle that you are facing right now? And how can you surround yourself with others who think creatively about solutions? Don't be afraid to adapt and change by finding innovative solutions for your students and your schools. Because what you do matters. Well, I hope that's helpful. If it is, please share it out with others. And if you would like to connect other principals with this podcast, let me encourage you to go over to iTunes and leave a comment ranking this podcast so that it becomes even more visible. Until next time, I hope that you continue to serve with passion and purpose. If you'd like to check out other posts like this one, you can do so at my website at williamdparker.com. If you haven't checked out my newest book, Messaging Matters, How to Inspire Students, Motivate Teachers, and Reach Communities, you can check it out at my website or at solutiontree.com slash messaging. I hope you have a fantastic week. Thanks for doing what matters, and I'll talk to you soon.